Hi, Tony Hines here, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Great to be here. Well, I want to talk about benchmarking your supply chain in this episode. Why is it useful to benchmark? What exactly do you benchmark? And what are some of the problems and benefits in doing benchmarking? Benchmarking your supply chain is a useful tool for determining strategy. It allows managers to understand their supply chains through the numbers and the details gathered as part of the exercise. And you can compare yourself to competitors and evaluate those benchmarks before determining what it is exactly that you want to fix or change in your own supply chain. You can compare performance across business units and you can leverage data for restructuring and change. Benchmarks can be seen as a systematic process where you search for best practice, innovative ideas and more productive operating methods. Strategic benchmarking helps make sure that improvement efforts and, of course, scarce resources are directed to those activities that will move the organisation forward. Of course, you have to know where forward is. What exactly is it you want to go forward to? The comparative data gathered in the benchmarking exercise will show key performance gaps, and it can identify change that's needed in underperforming areas. You always have to consider, of course, the resource base that's available to you and the place you're travelling to, if you want to create an appropriate strategy. Benchmarking is also able to gather tacit knowledge, the know-how, the judgments, the enablers, that explicit knowledge often misses. The benefits of supply chain benchmarking begin with the task of collecting data, and you need to convert it into industry standard practices and metrics. The simple and the not-so-simple act of gathering key operational measures on one scorecard provides a broad snapshot of current performance. The data gathering process can be useful in itself, and you can use cross-functional teams in the organisation to develop the benchmarks for your organisation. And in a way, that creates a training opportunity for your employees, as well as a useful strata of information on which to build strategy. It's useful if they are able to participate in the process. If you've got managers who are involved in the strategy formulation process, involved in the process, then they can learn a lot just through the activity of performing benchmarking analysis. And they'll understand better what needs to be done. And it might give them some clues and some inklings of how it can be done. Forward-thinking supply chain managers use supply chain benchmarking to actively measure process efficiency, cost-effectiveness, and risk management. And they identify capabilities that will be necessary to be competitive in the industry. They focus on the benchmarking data that matters most. And it's important to avoid a goal setting in a vacuum because that often leads to misaligned expectations and suboptimized performance. So you have to take account of the context, what your supply chain looks like and how to evolve supply chain management practices to drive innovation and move to the next level, whatever that is. If used correctly, supply chain benchmarking helps mitigate supply chain disruption and risk, and it will identify through the discussion that it generates high-value actionable insights. 
While benchmarking itself has many benefits, it also has some disadvantages. You can't just do benchmarking, as I mentioned a minute ago, in a vacuum. You have to take account of the context and what type of data is being compared. Are the measurement issues involved? It's not as straightforward as it might seem. Remember early on I said you have to see what the industry is doing and look at the standards and measurement processes, the key performance indicators that they're using. Now those aren't necessarily always going to be essential key performance indicators for your business. So if they're not, why would you bother measuring them? You have to be very clear about what it is you're doing. It might be difficult finding companies that you can compare your own business against. And it might be difficult to actually find reliable data for the benchmarking exercise. Benchmarking is also a backward-looking process. You're looking at what happened in the past, and that doesn't necessarily say what's going to happen in the future. So it's important to be aware of some of the possible drawbacks or shortcomings that can exist in the benchmarking exercise. In conclusion, I'd probably say that benchmarking the supply chain is a valuable tool for determining strategy because it allows you to understand your supply chain in comparison to others in your industry and identify areas for improvement. It all, of course, comes down to the data you're able to gather and the type of analysis you're able to perform. Benchmarking alone won't develop strategy, but it will inform strategy. So it's probably a worthwhile exercise for most organisations. When it comes to performance measures in the supply chain, they have a long history, and we can trace it back to the time of Frederick Winslow Taylor, known as Speedy Taylor. And he was the work-study engineer for Henry Ford, and he increased the efficiency of the Ford production system by measuring times in processes and trying to improve those times by reorganising the factory and the way resources were deployed in the factory. So if we think about performance measurement, perhaps we can take that as a starting point. And of course, from there, we began to measure things with financial measures, such as working capital, inventory turnover, revenue turnover, profitability, returns on capital employed, returns on assets and asset utilisations, and so on. And so we can get a a fairly brief, rounded understanding of where these performance measures started their existence. When we think of measures that relate specifically to supply chains, we can think of measures such as the order to delivery times, that's the time it takes from the placement of an order to when it's delivered. We can think of supply chain response times, measuring that time measure flexibility of resource utilisation and delivery performance. And we can think about on time and complete when we think about those measures. And we can think about non-financial measures and metrics such as the cycle time, customer service level, inventory level, resource utilisation, ability to perform to a desired standard and flexibility and quality measures. All those are different types of performance measure that are used in supply chain management. You can read more on this topic, of course, in my supply chain strategy book, where I go into great detail about the different types of measure. In many respects, all measurement in supply chain is related to the economics of operating the supply chain. 
but they're not purely financial measures as such. They can be time-based measures with a cost attached. And often those sort of measures we regard as operational measures. So throughput time, the time it takes from order to delivery, the time it takes for a supply chain to respond, and so on. And financial measures are things that we would think as general, generic measures to measure profitability, gross profit, net profit, turnover, working capital, inventory levels, and inventory carrying costs, and so on. Not all organisations will be able to use exactly the same key performance indicators to see how well they're doing, or to compare themselves against other organisations. You can really only compare yourself on some of the standard measures, and they might be things like order lead time, the time it takes from when an order is placed to when it's delivered to the customer. Inventory turnover, the number of times that your stock is sold and replaced over a given period. A perfect order rate, the percentage of orders that are delivered on time, complete and damage-free. Order accuracy, the percentage of orders that are fulfilled correctly. Order cycle times, the time it takes from when an order is received to when it's shipped. The fill rate, the percentage of customer orders that are shipped complete. On-time delivery rates, the percentage of orders that are delivered on or before the promised delivery date. Inventory carrying cost, the cost of holding that inventory, which includes the warehousing cost, the insurance and any taxes involved. And the cash-to-cash cycle measure, the time it takes from a business to convert its investment in inventory and other resources into a cash from the sale. So how long does that actually take? And those are some of the most important KPIs, and they're comparable, if you can get to the data from other companies, that is. They're not always available, but those are the sort of things we want to know. In addition to these operational measures, of course, we want to have some strategic key performance indicators that measure progress towards achieving the stated objectives. So we want to know things like the revenue growth rate, the rate at which an organization's revenue increases over time. We want to know market share, the percentage of the total market that we hold. Now, of course, that could be irrelevant to some companies because they might not be large enough to measure that market share. But it's important to know what the total size of the market is so you can identify growth potential, even if you can't measure your specific share of that market. It might be so small it's not worth measuring. Customer satisfaction, the degree to which customers are satisfied with the organization's products or services. Often that's done through customer feedback and customer service surveys or through qualitative data. Sometimes they have focus groups about these particular issues. Employee engagement, the degree to which employees are committed to and engage with the work and the organisation. Return on investment. So what's the return you're getting on that investment relative to the cost of making the investment? Net promoter score, a measure of customer loyalty and satisfaction. We talked about that in a previous episode. Brand awareness, the degree to which customers are aware of and recognise the organisation's brands. Customer lifetime values, the total value that customers are expected to bring to an organisation over the lifetime of being a customer. Innovation rates, this is the rate at which an organisation introduces new products and services or processes. And those are just some of the examples you can think of when it comes to strategic key performance indicators. Now, some of those may be useful to you, 
and some of them may not be. So you have to be aware of your specific organisational goals and, of course, the context in which you operate. Now, the measures I've just given you relate to the organisation's strategy. But let's take a look at some measures that are important to supply chain strategy. So let's just focus down on that. If you want to measure efficiencies and effectiveness of the supply chain, then you want some different types of measure, such as the total cost of the supply chain, including procurement, transportation and inventory cost. You might want to measure supply chain agility, and that's the ability of the supply chain to respond quickly to changes in demand or supply. And that will give you a measure of volatility too. It will give you how quickly, how responsive the supply chain is, but it will also give you some idea of some of the problems that you face with regard to volatility in that supply chain. Flexibility in the supply chain can be measured too. The ability of the supply chain to adapt to change in demand or supply without incurring significant costs or delay. Supplier performance measures. Lots of organisations place performance measures on their suppliers in terms of quality of delivery and the cost of that delivery. So are those suppliers coming up to expectation, up to standard? And if they don't, they probably delist them from the supplier list. Supply chain visibility is another measure. The degree to which an organisation has visibility into its supply chain operations and can track the movement of goods and materials. Can you go beyond tier 1, tier 2, tier 3? Or is your visibility limited? Does it become fog beyond tier 2, tier 3? And that can be problematic, especially in the world we now live in, which is open to concerns about the environment, sustainability, and the sustainability of service and products, not just the sustainability of the planet, which is the overall consideration. So there'll be ESG measures in there too, environmental sustainability goals. So we might have to measure things in relation to those ESG measures that other organisations also measure to show that we have green credibility. And the United Nations has a list of those goals. Supply chain risk. What's the level of risk associated with the organisation supply chain operations? Do we have a measure for that? If you don't, you should have. You need to find an appropriate measure, a way to measure it. Supply chain sustainability. The degree to which an organisation's supply chain operations are sustainable and will minimise impact on the environment. Are you able to measure the ethical standards that you have? Are you able to demonstrate that you have an ethical supply chain? There's a whole episode on this and you can go and listen to that. Ethical supply chains. Supply chain collaboration. The degree to which your supply chain is collaborating with suppliers and other supply chain partners. And there's a whole episode on that, power and partnership in supply chains, and you can go and listen to that too. So those are some of the ideas around things you can measure. Now, you shouldn't just set off and measure everything. You need to focus down what your key objectives are, and then you need to find out what your key performance indicators ought to be related to those objectives. And some of those objectives you may want to benchmark against competitor organisations. So sometimes you can get clues from competitors about what they are actually benchmarking or what they're actually measuring in relation to their performance. And then you can put those types of measures into the context of your own organisation. And that's very important. I said context. So it has to be within the context of what you actually do. It can't be general. 
general measures are often less useful than specific measures in the context. Before we leave the subject of benchmarking, let's just take one look at benchmarking ESG, that's environmental, social and governance aspects of the supply chain. So let's benchmark ESG. And this is, in the environmental sense, a lot about sustainability and in the social sense about employees and people you work with and making sure the practices that you engage in are acceptable. And the governance aspect is all the things you do to manage the business, to comply with regulations and the regulatory frameworks that operate. I'll give an example talking about greening the supply chain and how to set benchmarks for that, just to give you some flavour of what you can do with regard to benchmarking. So when it comes to greening the supply chain, it can be a point of differentiation in Porter-esque terms. What Michael Porter would have said, how to make a difference. And it's important for organisations to make sure that they do make a difference when it comes to environmental, social and governance. So when you green the supply chain, basically you're taking any pollution out of the supply chain. Now we already know that McKinsey have said somewhere between 80 and 90% of supply chain cost when it comes to ESG and emissions is imported through embedded supply chains. And you can go back and listen to my episode on what it means to have an embedded supply chain. And you'll find out a little more there. But embedded supply chains essentially bring in the cost through the purchases that you make. But often they only go to the first tier suppliers. They don't necessarily go right through the whole supply chain. So you could be actually bringing in even more. According to a survey by PwC, they said that as many as 76% of consumers said they would discontinue relationships with companies that treat employees, communities and the environment poorly. And the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, says that customers are willing to pay a 10% premium to firms with better supply chain transparency. So this all says that consumers are taking note of what's happening when it comes to ESG. Supply chain professionals need new ESG skills so that they know how ESG is impacting the supply chain. So there needs to be more training that takes place to help the internal teams understand the impact of ESG on their own supply chain. Supply chain team could work with sales and marketing and embed the sustainability features into the value propositions. That's one thing that could happen. And that really is making the customer-focused supply chain. And cross-departmental relationships are very important because they help everybody in the organisation understand what's happening with regard to ESG, and not just ESG, but particularly ESG in this case, because that's what we're talking about, how things work in their departments and the sort of impact that they're having. When it comes to benchmarking and embedding those ESG metrics, there are five steps that you probably need to complete. And these are they. Step one, identify and take note of the ESG goals and targets that you've set for your business. Take a look at the critical issues that the company needs to address and make sure you've got metrics to understand those as you move forward. Step two, recognize what peers are doing and how they compare with you or how you compare with them. It's necessary that you identify peers that operate in the same 
space as you. So they're competitors, essentially, because you want to know how you're doing in that particular league. And then identify the key performance indicators, the metrics that you're going to use, and make an assessment using those metrics and comparing yourself to others. And that's a benchmarking process. The comparison is the benchmark. And you want to look if you are the best in class, or whether you're middling, or whether you're not so good and you've got a lot of work to do. And of course, as we've said, it's all about gathering the right data for the metrics that you've identified as important, so that you can make a comparative analysis and draw inferences and insights from the metrics. And the final part, of course, is to document it all. Make sure you record and you plan actionable steps to improve the position. And this has to be communicated with all the stakeholders and your partner teams so that everybody knows what's going on. So we might take a look at this ESG benchmarking in a bit more detail in a future episode. But for today, that's all I want to say about benchmarking with regard to ESG, the environmental, social and governance factors. Well, there we are. So we've talked about benchmarking and why it might be useful, what to benchmark, and why context is important when you set benchmarks, and also availability of data. Can you compare to your competitors in a meaningful way using benchmarks? And don't just benchmark because everybody else is benchmarking. You're doing it for a purpose. And the purpose is so that you can get to your own specific objectives, strategic objectives, that is, for the organisation, and you can get to that future faster. So that's the purpose of why we benchmark. We benchmark to inform our strategy. We have performance measures, and we have those performance measures set specifically for the context of our own business. Now, there might be some industry performance measures by the industry group, or what people have agreed in the industry can measure the performance in that industry, and they're important to take account of. So we should be guided by them, but they oughtn't to lay down tram lines. They ought to allow flexibility for you to devise your own specific measures to identify what's important to your organisation in the context of its business. So I hope that's given you some food for thought and some ideas that you can take forward. When you have your next strategy meeting, you can consider some of these thoughts and some of these ideas and sit down with your team and get them to come up with their own ideas for the organisation too. So there we are. That's the edition on benchmarking and performance measures. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast is written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. 
I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains and we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.